HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, and welcome to Speaking Broadly. This is your host, Dana Cowan. And today I have as my guest an extraordinary woman, baker, lawyer, and a woman who has the unfortunate distinction of having won a reality baking competition show that did not air. How trippy is that? She competed for six months or devoted six months of her life to this project. She put life as she knows it on hold and then the show was put in a vault because one of the judges was accused of sexual harassment. I'm very excited to introduce you to Valerie Lomas, the winner of the Great American Baking Show. I wish we could all see the show. I'm thrilled to be able to talk about it here. And the more we talk about it, the more real it is going to become for the contestant, where it must just seem completely surreal. So Valerie, welcome to Speaking Broadly. Thank you so much for having me. So what I've learned about you in just trying to study up is that you have a remarkable ability to grab the moment. And that ability to grab the moment is part of what got you, I I was going to say on the air, but to participate in the first place. So let's just talk a little bit about um, that flight to the Dominican Republic (laughs) and, and how... It came about that you got to be a contestant on The Great American Baking Show. Okay, sure. So um, it was this past summer, and I just got an email from one of the casting directors, and they said, hey, we're casting this show. Would you be interested in auditioning? And I said, you know, sure, why not? Um, And then I didn't hear anything for a few days. And I kind of let them know. I was like, you know, hey, if if, if this is actually happening this weekend... um, it would be great if I know because I'm, <laughs> I, I'm 
planning to go to a wedding in the Dominican Republic, um, but I do devote so much time to, you know, my blog and my passion is food and sharing it with people. So I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity, but I didn't hear anything. So I got on a flight and I went to the Dominican Republic. And when I landed, I had a voicemail saying, Oh, hey, we would love for you to come to Los Angeles. So I actually, I didn't even leave the airport. I just bought a return ticket, flew right back to New York City, and then flew to Los Angeles. That is so amazing to me. (laughs) I mean, was there any part of you that thought, I really should go to the wedding? I mean, of course I wanted to go to the wedding. I had already paid for everything. You know, I wanted to see my friends get hitched. Um... But at the same time, you know, I had already taken the days off of work and... Well, that's a very good point. So no one was going to miss you. You were gone exactly. that way. I was already gone. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, the timing actually worked out perfectly and... See, that is such a half, you know, full type of point of view. It's, it worked out perfectly. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, to me, it was it was a small price to pay, um, you know, to have an opportunity to just share what I love with a much larger audience. And so, um, so you got on that plane and you went to Los Angeles <laughs> and then what happened in LA? Yeah, I mean, so I went to LA, I had the audition and I didn't really know what to expect because I had no idea what they were looking for. And I thought all of us who were at the audition, we all were very different and we all had different strengths. So, um, I was, I was both surprised and not surprised when I found out I was picked. It was probably like a week or two after getting back to New York. And that is when things really, like the ball really got rolling and things moved really quickly. So then you had to immediately put your, there's there's another moment, like grab the moment. Right. So you had to tell, you know, um, the place where you were working, right. hey, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Um, How'd that go down? Yeah, I, I did have to tell my boss because, you know, asking for like four to five weeks off of work, um, in my field as an attorney, that's, uh, I knew I would have to pull at his heartstrings a little bit. So I did tell him what was happening. And he actually, he was like, I knew it. He was like, I just knew you would go on one of these shows. And I was (laughs) like, what? How did you know that? I had no idea. Um, So it was great to get the support from, um, from my job to be able to take the time off Wait, how we did he know? <laughs> I don't know. I had actually just baked him a birthday cake. That and must I, have been it. <laughs> yeah, I made a lemon chiffon cake. And I guess, you know, he was just like, wow, this is this is something. So. Do you think he follows you on uh, Instagram? Because <laughs> you have Foodie in New York right. your Instagram. And you have this great blog. And maybe they're all secretly following you. I'm, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> that is probably true. I try to pretend like no one I work with is following me, though, because that's just like a lot of pressure. It would be. Yeah. But what what happens? Do you have to, you know, bake for parties? Or something? <laughs> oh, someone needs to bring something in. Right. Looking at you. Oh, I mean, honestly, I do a lot of my baking on the weekends. I mean, I bake during the week sometimes. Um but I like to be able to, whatever I bake, I want to be able to serve it fresh to people. So that does make things a little bit tricky with bringing things into work. Or if we're having a party, it might be like, you know, the day before I have some big thing happening at work. So it's not like I can really devote the time or energy to making something. But I do try to make stuff for, you know, special occasions. Okay, I got us off track a little bit. So <laughs> I'm just like, I was just envisioning this man who was so excited to, for you. And yeah. It just, it just 
took me down this crazy road. Okay, bringing you back. Your sister also had to sort of jump on a plane, right? Because they wanted to interview. Once, oh, once you got chosen, yeah. then you had to have a, a family member. Right. Too. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, one really cool thing about this show is they do really develop the content the characters or contestants so they come to your house and your city and they film you like a day in the life type of sequence and during that time they want to interview someone in your family because if you make it to the finals then they show those interview clips of a family member so um you know i live in new york city i'm from louisiana most of my family is still in louisiana i have an older sister who is in boston Although she was on vacation at the time in Miami, and um, <laughs> she is such a fan of the show, she was like thrilled that I even asked her, and she literally got on a flight and came to New York for the day to um, to record that. And you know, she just gave me like emotional support while we were filming that day, which was awesome. She's awesome. So my takeaway from this, I have to tell you, is that you have an awesome family. <laughs> I and- do have an awesome family. I'm very grateful. Yes, and that. All of you are sort of um, characterologically predisposed to you know, take what's in front of you and make the most of it. I know that part of your love of cooking comes from your family, yeah. your grandmothers. Yeah. So tell me, growing up in, it was Baton Rouge. Right? Yeah. So growing up in Baton Rouge, tell me about you know, the, the fig trees and the grapefruit and the, like everything that you yeah. had at your disposal and what it was like just cooking as a kid and... Yeah. um, I mean, looking back, it's like, man, what an embarrassment of riches with the fresh produce that we just had on hand. Um, One of my earliest food memories is going with my family and to my cousin's farm and picking strawberries. Um, You know, my mom and older sister, they'd stay in the car because they don't like to get dirty. (laughs) But my dad and I, we would just be out there all day. And, you know, we'd go back home and my parents would make preserves and I would just like be I would just eat as many strawberries as I could and those like those are the vivid memories that I have and my grandmother she had quite the green thumb so she had fig trees and she has this towering grapefruit tree huh. um so it, I didn't even think of grapefruit because I read that and I'm like grapefruit in Baton Rouge right too. yeah no actually you know Louisiana has a ton of citrus trees like satsumas are very popular clementines <gasps> but lemon trees grapefruit trees man i mean her grapefruit tree like i can't even eat grapefruits now because <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you have because you you're part grapefruit right and you know when they've been like ripened on the tree like that until they're just perfectly you know ripe just the right amount of sweetness yeah i can't think of anything better and so do you come from tough stock? Like, was it, you know, your grandmothers or your parents, yeah. you know, where you got this resilience <laughs> or this idea of, um, you know, make the most of it? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, my other grandmother, she's from the Midwest and she, you know, she grew up during the Depression. She actually just turned 100 last year. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) And yeah, so she grew up during the Depression. And her mentality about things is whatever you have, you just make it work. Uh, You know, whatever you've got, you make it stretch to get what you need. You know, growing up, she would pour milk in in the eggs before she would scramble them. And I hated it at the time because I was just like, why is she doing that? But like, it made the eggs fluffy, but it also like made them stretch. And that was just her mentality. Like, you use what you have. Um, And I think, you know, she passed that on to my mother, who passed it on to me. 
And um, if you, when you're baking, is that sort of in the back of your mind? Like, was anyone a baker? Yeah, I mean, so both of my grandmothers and my mother, I mean, my grandmothers, they each, like, they are really known for their cakes. Um, You know, like, people, whenever they would go to their house, it's like, okay, where's the cake stand with that cake? (laughs) (laughs) Like, my grandmother in Louisiana, she had, it's called her million dollar cake, and man, like, the cake was money. <laughs> it was so good. So, so what, um, what was the cake? I mean, you got to tell me. Um, it was a white cake that had a fit, like a filling that was fruit, some type of fruit. Like sometimes it was apple, um, and then a cream cheese frosting. Mm. Yeah, it sounds basic, but like man, not basic. It was right, exactly, <laughs> really good. So, um, so yeah, they have always baked, and my mother, she's like big on tradition. She's like we must have this at this holiday. Like we must have aunt Hester's dinner rolls at <laughs> Thanksgiving and Christmas. And it's like, okay, that takes like four hours to make. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I just kind of grew up like that's, that is what we must have. We must do, we must make these dinner rolls. So, and do you have something that now the family has in the must make category? Yeah. Or you haven't graduated to that. Oh, you have. <laughs> yeah. Um, I made a bourbon pecan pie one year and now they're just obsessed with it. it every time I come home, it's like, you must make the bourbon pecan pie. <laughs> and I'm like, we'll do no problem. Um, and, so some of these recipes, are they on your blog? Um, a few of them are, and then some of them aren't. Um, <laughs> I, I have shared quite a few, but like the family heirloom recipes, I was always just holding out because I had this idea I'd be writing a cookbook someday. So I'm kind of glad I've held out on some of them. <laughs> That's, I, I love that. So let's just put that out in the universe. So do you want to be writing a cookbook right now? Yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like that's a great, that would be such a great result of um, your, you know, your win. Right. Uh, Your un, (laughs) the the win that you can see that you won because there there is a clip out there in the world. Um, Another time when I felt like you totally grabbed the moment was after law school. And, uh, (laughs) you know, you graduated, was it, 08, 09? I graduated spring 2010. Oh, spring 2010? Yeah. And you decided to, you know, it wasn't a great job market. It, it was definitely not a good job market, especially for lawyers. Yeah. And so instead of, like, beating your head against the wall, <laughs> you just decided to go travel and eat. Yeah. So um, how did that come about? Like, how did you actually, because, you know, going to law school is so intense. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm sure the really, you want to graduate and get a big fat job. Right, right. So what happened? Like, what was that thinking? And what was that like? Yeah. Um, I mean, law school is intense. And the first two years were incredibly intense. And I had, you know, summer internships at the law firm. And by the time it got around to my third year, I was like, you know what, I did everything I was supposed to do. Yet here I am in this crappy job market. So um, I was just kind of like, you know what, whatever. I'm going to focus on doing something else. And I started baking every day and blogging just to have that outlet, to have, you know, a way to express myself creatively because like the practice of law and studying law, it's very formulaic. Like there is room for some creativity, but you know, you have to stick to, to, to what it is. So I was able to just express myself creatively and you know, when May rolled around, I was like, um, you know, I'm just going to continue this. I was like, I'm just going to take myself and my blog to France for, you know, for a year. And 
I'm really glad I did because. But wait, I really have to know. Like, wasn't that nerve wracking? Or yeah, do you just not have nerves? Or no, it was it was nerve wracking. Um, but uh, so I was a French major and and undergrad, and I knew there was this like program where you like teach English in France, and it's you only work like ten or twelve hours a week. And I was like, hey, that would be perfect because that would get me a visa, and that would you know take care of my lodging and give me a few dollars to you know traipse around the country. So, now it's making a little bit more sense to me. Yeah, I got it. so okay. that's what I did. I had I had a bit of a plan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I don't like. If you align the notion of baker and lawyer, I can't imagine you going without a plan. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very organized mind. Yeah, I had a plan. <laughs> and um, what were the greatest things that you, you learned on, you know, being on your own, on the road? Like, what, yeah. did, what did you take away from that? You know, I think what I actually took away from that experience, uh, like one of the main things was, because I had a roommate, she was an engineer, and she came home with uh, Pierre Hermé's macaron book. Oh, well, and that's... I mean, Pierre <laughs> Hermé is, like, if you've got to have a guide to macaron, that would right, be the guy. Right, right. Um, and, I, you know, I had discovered his macarons, and I was just like, oh, I would go buy some at his Saint-Germain boutique and go eat them at the Garden de Luxembourg in Paris. So I was, like, having this, like, very romanticized adventures with macarons. So she, <laughs> so she brought his cookbook home, and it was in French, and she is not a baker, but she just followed the recipe, and they came out amazing. And I was like, what? So that really <laughs> opened my eyes. I was like, hey, like, I think anyone can probably bake anything if you just try and you practice, then you can nail it. So that's actually what I took away from that. So when I left France and I went to New York, I was like, hey, if Sophie can make these macarons, I can do. So uh, that is that's one of the takeaways I got, I think, just, you know, you can do what you put your mind to. And uh, do macarons, did they turn out to be a specialty of yours? Yeah, um, they act, They did. <laughs> I actually like sold them at a few markets on the weekends in New York. That first year I, w- I moved to New York. And then what happened? Like, <laughs> yeah. Was so, that too much work or it's too yeah. hard to sell? Or? Well, it was hard because I did get a job as a lawyer. So, you know, I was working Monday to Friday. And to prepare for a weekend market, I found myself like taking off Friday and then <laughs> taking off Thursday and Friday. And I just wasn't ready to make that plunge at that time. So I was like, hey, let me make use of this degree I got for a while. And... Right now, you know, you're a multi-hyphenate, right? You, <laughs> right? you are a lawyer, bigger blogger. And how hard is that to inhabit, to, you know, have your heart so devoted to baking and your time so devoted to lawyering? Yeah. Uh, what's that like? Um, I mean, sometimes it's tough. And I think anyone can relate who has, you know, a hobby that they're passionate about or maybe serving others or raising a family. Um, I mean, my mother, she had multiple full-time jobs if I look back and consider things. So it's tough. And it's particularly tough when, like, you know, something gets unpredictable. Like, sometimes at work, like, things happen. Um, So, What kind of law do you practice? (laughs) Uh, Privacy law. And yeah. what does that mean exactly? <laughs> like you told me that. I'm like, mm, I don't know what that yeah, is. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I work for an organization and I just try to make sure that we are in compliance with different regulations and federal laws. Yeah. Wow. Um, and what do you think there is in common between the baking brain and the lawyer brain? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
I think one thing that um, I guess like a, a motto I kind of live by sometimes is, you know, sometimes just do it, just go for it. You know, whether it's, you know, a novel legal argument or something you want to implement at work um, that you're not sure might work out or definitely, you know, like the creative side of baking, you know, just just go for it and see what happens. That's interesting because, in fact, I would have guessed incorrectly that the thing that they have in common is the adherence to the rules. So <laughs> your so your interpretation of both your your craft and your profession is the opposite. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe it's like okay, I, I understand a lot of the rules, right? Like, um, it's like some of the rules are a given. You know, you you know you have to do X Y Z. You know you have to if you make a legal argument, you have to have a citation for it. If you don't, it's going to be a problem and it's going to come up down the road and be a problem. Whereas, you know, with baking, like, you know, there are certain things that you have to do. But I'm learning there's there is actually a lot of flexibility in and a lot of those rules with baking. I think I learned that from competing on this crazy reality show where, uh, you know, they give you these challenges that, you know, you have two hours to, like, make a flaky pie crust from scratch, a cream pie with a whipped cream topping. Um, you know, anyone who makes pie dough, it's like you, you want to make the dough and then let it rest before you roll it out so it doesn't shrink and all of these other things. Um, so I just learned that there are tricks that you can do to kind of speed things up and change things up a little bit so it must be so hard to do that under pressure you know <laughs> like it's it's one thing you know you say you're going to try a novel argument right. um, in law or you're going to do something different in baking but in both of those cases you have safeguards like if the cake doesn't work out you feed it to your family <laughs> and if, if the argument doesn't work out you say to your boss you, like someone's there to say yeah you know that might not be the best oh yeah thing to do but <laughs> when you're uh when you're competing and you actually you know are so intent on the outcome is it harder to take those risks oh yeah I mean competing ooh, that was I can't even describe like how intense that competition was and how stressful it was. And, you know, I will forever like look at food competitions on television differently. Uh, Cause when you see someone has a bad outcome, it's like, you have no idea. Like <laughs> you have no idea like what went into that or why that happened. Um, I mean, is it what you're saying that you have an appreciation that it actually, it's hard. It's, it's not, it's not exactly I don't want to say their fault, but so many things could have derailed right. them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, especially, you know, like we were all home bakers. We're not we're not baking like in a bakery where we're we've scaled something up. And if you make a mistake, it's like, n no, we are home bakers. And when you make a mistake, like you said, it's fine. You just you just keep on moving. But when you're baking for these, you know, critics not just any critics, like these, these are top of the line. Like <laughs> I, love, and, I love the <laughs> idea of top of the line critics. Right. So you had, you had, um, Aisha Curry. Yeah. And, um, Paul Hollywood. Paul Hollywood. Yeah. And Spice Adams was one of the hosts. And then Johnny Uzzini was the other judge. Right. Um, all right. Well, when we come, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear much more about competing on the Great American Baking Show. Stay with us. I wanted to give you a heads up that I am going to be in Austin for South by Southwest. I get to interview the totally badass 
Martha Hoover, who has restaurants in Indianapolis. She has Cafe Patashu, and she is completely inspiring to me. It's going to be a live episode of Speaking Broadly at South by Southwest podcast stage in the Fairmont Hotel, and it's on March 12th. I'm excited to go to South by. I hope you all are excited to go to South by and that you're going to join me there. If you want to come see me live, just visit sxsw.com where you can purchase a badge to see not only me, but the entire inspiring conference of sessions of music, film, and other totally amazing stuff. There's a big food channel there and I'm also going to be interviewing Andrew Zimmern and Jose Andreas. Those two men have a lot to say and they're changing the world one day at a time. So come check out my podcast, come check out Jose and Andrew and you got to join me for South by Southwest in Austin. See you then. Hello, and welcome back to Speaking Broadly. This is your host, Dana Cowan, and today I am so delighted to have as my guest Valerie Loomis. Valerie is a a lawyer, but that's not why she's here with me today. (laughs) It's because she's an amazing home baker. She has a blog, and she won the third season of The Great American Baking Show. Now, if you're sitting there and you didn't hear the first half of the show and you're back with me now, you might be like, oh, I didn't see that. That's right. You didn't see that, but it did happen. Uh, And That is because the show was not aired in its entirety, and we only got to see Valerie as the winner, but not the process. And I think that the process of the show is, in a way, to you, Valerie, hi, Hi. um, (laughs) the, uh, the most meaningful part of it, right? I mean, watching you struggle, succeed, win the competition. What, What was that like, competing yeah, I mean, wow, competing. I think every every single one of us contestants, we all had good days and we all had like really bad days. So, and like what a what defines a good day? Oh, I, I don't want to sound like I'm always right. going for the negative here. No. What does define a good day? I mean, a good day is when you you go in there with a plan and you execute and it tastes amazing and it's baked properly and you're you can just look at what you've done and you're proud of what you've done like that's a good day um so i guess a bad day would be like (laughs) the opposite (laughs) when you really screw up (laughs) which happens as well and so talk about the the challenges like you know you you get the challenge and uh did they seem crazy to you like what was that like um I mean, I think so like the there were different types of challenges, but there were like the secret technical challenges where you get a mystery box and then it's like very dramatic and they're like, okay, uncover the box and you have a recipe with instructions missing. Wow, those were those were so those were so tough because the first thing you would have to do is ask yourself, so what are we actually even making? Because, (laughs) uh, you know, we like the first technical challenge we we made lamingtons so if you're familiar with like australia new zealand baking 
you probably know what a lamington is. And if you're like the rest of us, you have no idea. So the first thing you have to do is visualize like, okay, well, what is this even supposed to look like? Um, versus like, okay, well, what is this supposed to taste like? What's the texture supposed to be? And all of those things kind of inform how you approach the recipe and, and you and you bake something. So I think sometimes visualizing what we were making was tough. Um, you know, so that was tough. <laughs> and um, right, a lamington sort of looks like um, it's a furry because <laughs> it has the, the, the coconut. coconut shred, yeah, right? yeah. And it's actually just like a, a cake, a, like a piece of cake that's shaped like a cube with a white chocolate ganache and then covered in coconut. Although sometimes I have raspberry in my brain. Yeah, I have there's... seen. Yeah, I actually went um, like when the show, when we finished filming, I went to the National Gallery in London and in the cafe, they had three different types of lamingtons. And I was like, no, they're like real. People really eat these. But I remember like a chocolate one and a fruit one. Got so, it. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so funny. Um in doing the competition, did you find it tested your mental strength as well as your physical yeah. strength? And like, where did you find the mental reserves? Like, what was that argument like in your head? Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, like it wasn't just in my head. I was talking out loud. So I was actually like coaching myself through each challenge. And I was I was telling myself, I was like, you can do this. And I was like, you're going to finish. You're going to finish. Because often you're just looking at the clock and you're looking at what you have left and you're looking at what's in the oven. And you're like, this is like, is this going to get baked in time? Is this going to get cooled in time so I can like ice it without having the icing melt so I was just constantly talking to myself and I was like you will finish you will finish and I fit I finished every challenge yeah that I'm, so it worked <laughs> it did work it totally yeah worked. because some of those challenges I mean uh like we we all struggled with timing at points but um yeah I was just talking myself through it even when I had no idea what I was doing it and um you know some of the other contestants they would help you out sometimes like there was one technical challenge that I just totally messed up we were making creme caramels mm, um, <laughs> and I've never made a baked custard before yeah so I think I probably made I don't know something more like scrambled eggs and a ramekin <laughs> but um there was this like you should describe what car- creme caramel is yeah. for people who don't know what it is so, and, and why I actually could totally turn out to be like <laughs> right so um it's like a custard that you make and you make part of it over the stove but you don't cook it very long because um you you know as it sets it solidifies so we had this like it was an hours long challenge where it was just in the refrigerator and I when I initially cooked it over the stovetop I cooked it like I was making I was making a pastry cream so by the time I baked it it was like super overcooked. And then I put in the refrigerator and I'm realizing, you know, we've got hours for it to set. So I have hours where I'm sitting there like, <laughs> like I, I overcooked this custard and then I baked it and now it's in the refrigerator and there's nothing to save me. Um, so during that time, like one of the other contestants, Molly, she just like came over and gave me like a pat on the back and she was like, it's going to be okay. And I was like, no, it isn't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was for, you know, I wasn't the only one that struggled with that challenge. A couple of us made something that was definitely not a not a crumb caramel. <laughs> it was not a perfect specimen. It was not a perfect specimen. But I think at all. it's nice to hear that of the support because of course the you know one of the bases of reality shows is conflict. <laughs> yeah. And you know, trying to drum up some conflict. Did you feel like there was a lot of conflict on the show? No, no. I don't think there was a lot of conflict. Um I think a lot like most of us, you know, we just realized 
you know, we were in such a unique situation and we were all far from home because we were filming in England. So everyone was far from their families. We were far from just like the comforts that we're used to have, we're used to having with baking, you know, whether or not it's your rolling pen or anything. So everyone was just really, you know, friendly and eager to help each other out. So what were the, um, what were the judges like? Like, I'm, of course, personally, I'm fascinated by Aisha Curry. Uh, Yeah, I mean, wow. I was really inspired by her, um, just by her being there, because, you know, the hours were long, the weather was, you know, it was September. Yeah, the weather was London-y, so it was gray and rainy, and, you know, we were out there early in the morning until late at night, and she was just out there each day, like, makeup flawless, with a big smile, and I was like, she's here for the same reason the rest of us are. Like, she's passionate about food. She doesn't have to be here. Um, but she's choosing to be here like we all are because we love food and this is something that we that we want to share with people and we're willing to do the long hours and the bad weather um, and whatever else to have that opportunity. So it was great working with her and the other host, Spice. Um, he was great as well. He was, but they don't <laughs> give you personal feedback, and you don't end up like oh, feeling the, like you have a, no, a little the, coach on the side, <laughs> or someone's trying to psych you out. Or like, well, they're not supposed to, okay. but like you know, everyone now and now and again, especially if you're really struggling, they yeah. you know they'll come and give you like you know a nice little word of encouragement. Or I think I was like chopping something wrong, so Aisha because she's a, she's a cook, yeah. So she was just like, oh, you know, I really want to help her. And so <laughs> afterwards, I was like, okay, well, tell me what I was supposed to be doing. So, um, what'd she say? (laughs) Well, she was just tell just how to like properly chop an onion, something pretty basic. But Mm. we were making like breakfast hand pies, so there was there was onion in there. It was one of the few savory things. But um, yeah, so everyone was just really great. And Paul, I mean, I don't even know what to say about Paul. He he lived up to like all of Paul Hollywood lived up to like all of the dreamy expectations. Like he walks into a room and everyone just feels his presence. Um, he's just like a total, he's a total rock star. <laughs> I love that. And right, we are talking baking world. I mean, but you know, there's, there's rock stars in every arena of the world. Right. And he has his like very large arena. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his arena is definitely in that white tent. Like, yeah. <laughs> and did you have to calm your nerves? Like, were there a lot of nerves going on? Yeah. Yes. There were, I, yeah, there were a lot of nerves. What did I do to calm them? I'm like, did they, were they ever calmed? (laughs) I think, you know, once that, once they said bake and the clock started, you didn't have a, you did not have any time. I certainly didn't have time to be nervous or think about anything other than results and producing something that I could be proud of that I wanted to make that, that looked and tasted how I wanted it to look and taste. So I guess just like once the challenge started, once that competition started, there was no room for nerves. Yeah. It was just they, go time. <laughs> they just got all pushed out. Yeah. And um, and now let's talk about the disappointment. I mean, it's just, you know, it was such an incredible opportunity. Yeah. You turned your life upside down or at least inside out or at least put it on hold. All, all three. Okay, all three. <laughs> let's just say all three. And... The net result was, I mean, I'm giving you some silence, but silence because you, you know, there was a a Facebook post where you were so gracious um, about, you know, how it's important to recognize um, harassment as the terrible thing it is. And, you know, it, it affected you and it affected 
the everybody on that show, not just you. I mean, right. at least you won, right. and so there's you know much that can be made of that. Um, but other people are barely seen at all, and they also put their lives on hold. So, what was your feeling when you got that call from the? producers I know it was a call right yeah I got a phone call um I was just really I was kind of shocked and confused and I was wondering is is this really the only solution that that is an option um because this is something that has like you know rocked the entertainment industry and um you know especially the food entertainment industry and it seemed like there were, it seemed like other other people having the same types of issues, uh, they had eventually settled into solutions. So I was wondering, like, was, was this really the only option? Was this the only solution? And um, it wasn't really a choice, right? So it's not like they said, well, we could do this or this. What do you <laughs> think? Um, th- yeah. So... Uh, you know, what did you do with that disappointment? Yeah, um, I mean, well, well, one thing, I kept baking. Um, I kept blogging. I, I did a lot of writing. Um, I wrote a lot about how I felt, which I, I haven't shared, but, but I did share some of it. I shared some of it on my blog. Um, you know, and just, like, doing this right now, being able to speak to you about it, it is very cathartic because um, this experience did happen and you know the fact that the show got canceled doesn't change the fact that like you know we all like went through something together a lot of it was really comical and fun like the creme caramel scrambled eggs thing a lot of it was like tough but we you know overcame it like just the different challenges and you know I became a much better baker and I also became a more confident baker I think it's so interesting to do that under challenging circumstances like how can you actually it's like you know improving your skill while you're actually running a marathon right you know like yeah I mean I think it's I felt like I didn't have a choice um but how do you actually get better in that setting I mean well for one thing you are getting feedback from these tough critics so you are learning like what works what doesn't work and they're telling you what they expect for you from you for the next time so even if it's like you know not even 10 hours before you're back on set you know I would go back to the to where we were staying and I would practice something because I wanted to make sure I got it right and I wanted to I wanted to keep improving so plus I had like you know while while we were filming which was over about five weeks I had five weeks where I was my brain was 100 percent baking there was no like splitting it with anything else so I think all of those factors just like the time I spent actually baking whether it was on set or when I got back to where we were staying and I was just practicing and making the same recipes over and over again um yeah I I was I was like baking on a level by the finale I was just like I didn't even know I had this in me wow I, I love that feeling I mean to to come to that I, and I didn't realize so the recipes that you were practicing were things that you had you thought you had upcoming or things from the past or? yeah um so what I was practicing yeah I mean the way the format for this show works is two out of the three um 
challenges, you have an idea in advance of, you know, of what skills and techniques you need to practice. Um, so that's, the, I was practicing like what was coming up. But by the time you get to the finale, you know, you have the freedom to make three, th- like the final challenge was a tower of treats where you make three things and you choose those three things. So I wanted to like showcase skills that showed, you know, like technical difficulty, but like still would taste good. And we're still like authentic to who I am as a person and as a baker. So, you know, by the time we got to the finale, I was, you know, I surprised myself. I re- like during the challenge, like I, I was even, I was talking to the cameraman as I often did. (laughs) In addition to talking to yourself. (laughs) Right, right. And I was, they didn't respond. But, um, and I was just like, I did not, I was like, I've never baked on this level. Like not even close. So that was amazing to just like discover that, you know, talent that I had within. That someone recognized before uh, you recognized it in yourself, which is yeah, kind of great. That yes. And so now I think you you feel like it's uh, it's hard to know exactly what's next, right? Because yeah. you um, you spent all that time really inside this world. You've come back, and that kind of didn't happen, but it did. Do you feel um, like there are opportunities? Do you feel like you have clarity about what you might want to do? And do you feel like opportunities have come your way just because, even though the entire uh, season three didn't air, there is the knowledge out there that you did win. Right. I definitely have more clarity about what I want to do because, you know, before competing on this show, I had never like been on a set and filmed anything. Uh, And, you know, I was on a set, like going to set every day that, and that is really, it's really an interesting world, but um, (laughs) what does that mean? (laughs) That sounds so veiled. I mean, it's an interesting world in the sense that like when I watched television before, I didn't think about everything that went into the production aspect of it. And on a sh- like on the show that we were making, there were so many people involved in producing this show, um, you know, from camera people, you know, operating cameras to sound to lighting to running the show to this and that like at any given time, you were just actually surrounded by people, uh, which is phenomenal just to see, like, you know, if you want to make something great, you got to put in, you got to put in the best that you have, the people, the time, the experience, all of that. So just the production side of things um, was an experience, but I loved it. Like, So now at, you want to do more. Is that what Yeah, the, I, would, yeah. I would love to do more. Um, it was, and it's really unique to actually be able to to share something with so wide of an audience it is really a special it is really a special thing yeah and um and so now you've shared some of that experience on the on the blog yeah and is there a hope that sort of more of the show would come out or that doesn't seem to be the direction um, I mean, there were highlight reels for each episode that were shared with me that I have posted on my, on my blog, foodieinnewyork.com, on a tab called Baking Show Clips. I think initially I, I thought, you know, I'm like, well, you know, just looking at the way things have played out with other shows and other people accused of similar things, you know, I thought like, oh, they'll release it digitally or, you know, or, or they'll, you know do some fancy editing. Um, That has been done. You're so right. I mean, people have been like somehow miraculously moved out. Yeah. Um, But I mean, now I'm just, 
it's kind of like I'll I'll just take what I have and try to work with that. Yeah. And um, as a woman of color, did you do you feel any frustration of, you know, you you were out there, you you won, and it was great for you personally, but it also would have been great for everyone to see. Yeah. Um, how does that play into your thoughts around this topic? Yeah, that has actually been one of the hardest things for me to kind of deal with and process because I understand how important representation is. Um, and, you know, like growing up when I was able to see someone that looked like me um, on television, especially winning something, you you kind of feel like, hey, if they did it, I can do that too. Like that space is actually open to me as well. So, and after the first, after the premiere, I had so many people reach out to me and they weren't telling me like, oh, I was rooting for you. They told me my little girls loved you. My little girls were rooting for you. My little girls loved your hair. You know, just having- Your hair is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But, um, you know, just like- just having that representation, um, I thought was going to be like the most rewarding aspect of all of it. So, um, yeah, like that, that has been, that has been tough because, you know, it's just, it's kind of, it feels like it's kind of been erased. Um, I mean, it's still there, but you have to, you have to know exactly where to find it. There's, there's no direction. There's no directing anyone to where anything is. So, do you find that that's um, even more motivating because it's it's a missed opportunity rather than an opportunity you didn't have? Like, you know you can do it. Like, you know that you're amazing on camera and you know you have this talent and you know you've got all of these things inside of you and that you can in- uh, inspire the next generation. You can probably inspire your grandmas. <laughs> I mean, like, just think about the... Think about the life that she must have led yeah. and how different your opportunities are. Yeah. I mean, no, it's it's crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, I am hopeful that I mean, you know, like if you look at if you look at a lot of people who have who have who have reached some level of success, there are there are roadblocks along the way. There are detours. And I think the important thing is to just, you know, just get back on and continue, Um, you know, for me to just continue baking and continue sharing what I love with people and try to make some try to make some things happen. That's one of the reasons I'm so glad to be here to (laughs) talk about my experience. Right. Well, I am. I'm hoping that, you know, I, I do believe that it is important to say these things out loud that what you want, mm-hmm. I mean, partly it helps you own them yourself. It's like, I'm not just telling myself, right. I'm telling, <laughs> you know, and I'm not just telling my family, I'm saying it in the world. And then when you come on the air and you're telling it to thousands and thousands of right, people, right. you know, they can hold you accountable. Or there's that person listening who's like, Oh my God, that's exactly what I was looking for. I didn't know that I was looking to, you know, put Valerie on air or give her a cookbook, but I'm ready to now after yeah. after listening to that. So I think it's so super important to float those you know big ideas out in the world, and also to um, to help other people who have disappointments not on this level. Because honestly, I can't, I mean I it's so much to go through. I mean, just having been a judge on mm. Top Chef, just watching what those contestants go through, not living it or doing it or breathing it. Oh, it just uh, it's it's like a lot, but. That was too long a sentence to get back to the original thought. The original thought was that um, just in, you know inspiring people to take risks, and uh, you know I think that you'll 
you'll have accomplished that. That's a lot to it's a lot to accomplish. So um, so for the year ahead and looking at um, what you set as goals for yourself, yeah. you don't even have TV as a goal for yourself. I mean, it's so <laughs> funny that like the the things that you have accomplished. Um, you didn't even set as a goal or as an intention, but I, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I actually did have, I'd made a vision board last January and I did put stuff on it. I put like sponsored travel. I put, I put like write a book proposal and I did put like TV opportunities, but I had no idea how I was going to make any of this stuff happen. So, um, you know, and it, it is hard, like, saying out well it's hard for me to say out loud like what I want but I would love to you know be able to host like a television show and you know I would love to be able to write a manuscript and get a cookbook published like those are like those are huge goals and you know I am I am hopeful that I'm gonna have some opportunities that come and I'll be able to reach them I feel very good about them so um a 2018 uh, vision board is there one there is one. There is. There is one. Okay. <laughs> so did your vision change 17 to 18? Yeah. Um, In what way did it change? What got added? What got taken off? I mean, I wouldn't say anything got taken off, but just... Sometimes that's a good thing to do. <laughs> just kind of bigger goals. And Love it. Okay. Yeah. Make them bigger. So what did you add? Like, what got bigger? Um, I mean, well, one, th- one thing I actually focused on was like a lot of positive affirmations to just tell myself because, you know, it's, it's kind of, for me at least, it's easy to kind of slip into this, like, well, why did this happen? And, you know, whatever. So I am like also just focusing on my mindset. So I have, you know, it just says like, work hard. (laughs) (laughs) You like your best is good enough, you know, give back and pay and, and give forward. So those are actually like, big aspects like the mental aspect but I also have um you know just other goals like with my blog like you know having opportunities to do speaking gigs and you know tv opportunities and book those are like I guess like the three big you know food related ones Ooh, are there some that aren't food related yeah personal goals (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know just like it's like I'm, I am really close with my family and they've always been very supportive of me. So I want to make sure that I'm taking care of them, too. Um, so just, you know, reminders about like just things to do for family. I, I love that idea. I just was um, going through this amazing exercise with a woman named Megan Hellerer. And she uh, she had a salon that's called The Go Through. And it's based on, um, you know, back in the 19th century when, you know, men would sit around and men folk would talk and then the women <laughs> would go through to the other drawing room and just have a conversation among themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it was this conversation among women mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, what they envision for the for the coming year and, and setting those goals and saying them out loud and, and, you know, making one step towards making it happen. So I feel like you've probably made many steps, but just being here is definitely um, one step. So... At the, um, I love to pay it forward. The notion of representation and bringing uh, new people 
out into the world and into the um, arena to be embraced and to share their power. And I'm just wondering if there's any woman who you think um, we should all, all the listeners and I should know about. Um, it could be, it should be in the food world somewhere. It doesn't have to be a baker. Um, is there someone who you find particularly inspiring and who is that person? Um, actually, there was a contestant on Master Chef Junior. Uh, I know her Instagram name. It's like Chef Rana. I'm following her on Instagram. But um, I mean, she's definitely someone to look out for because to I mean, to go through one of these competition shows as like a child <laughs> <laughs> and like actually be out there like baking well and like, wow, I'm really inspired by her. So um, she's definitely someone everyone should look out for. That's awesome. And um, favorite bakery in the world? Or we could do it in New York if, feel, <laughs> like, if the world just got too big right there. Um, gosh. I mean, so I live in Harlem, and there are a lot of exciting things happening in Harlem. There's actually an ice cream spot that just opened up like a block from my house and it's called Mikey likes ice cream. Uh, I haven't been there. Yeah. Or it might be Mikey likes it ice cream, but, um, wow. Like, so it's all of the flavors are named after like hip hop songs or hip hop references, but man, it, everything tastes amazing. And they encourage you to go and sample everything. And the flavors are like banana pudding. And, you know, you can get like a scoop of ice cream and a red velvet waffle. Ooh, so, yum. Oh, that sounds so good. Yeah. They're, they're actually way too close to where I live. It's really, it's going to be, it's going to be a long summer. It's going to be a delicious ice cream filled summer. Um, I'll give some more Harlem shout outs though. Cause I, sure. Oh, good. Let's see where else. Um, well, there's a guy who makes rugula. I love rugula. Yeah. It's called Lily's Bakery. And he's actually like, um, he's this older black man. I want to say he's 75 now. And he's been making rugula for like decades now. And people go to his little hole in the wall bakery um, just to get like some good, authentic, traditionally made rugula where like, you know, he's still using all butter and wow. that type of stuff. And his rugula, it's amazing. So... Okay. That's another place. <laughs> okay. A third, because, you know, editors like everything in threes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really an editor anymore, but I, I play one on the radio. Yeah, right, right. No, that's good to know. That's a good tip. Um, I mean, I, I do love LeVan's Bakery with those thick cookies. Those, I mean, the chocolate chip are so <sighs> out of control. And strangely, yeah. like I'm actually very much in love with just the buttered bread because the mm. bread is so perfect and the butter is so perfect and mm. I'm like I actually and jam so it's a it's a breakfast uh bread and butter situation mm -hmm. but yeah that's so so good yeah I've, I think I've had their banana bread from oh, that's, that's very decadent also oh, yeah it's so good that when you say you're too close to, <laughs> to <laughs> all of my, these things I'm, I'm too close to there's a Levine near me oh nice and uh, I was like I'm just gonna trip down here but now I you know they've gotten so much like Instagram love that there's oh, yeah. lines around the block oh no <laughs> and so 
it's good in a way because it's a it's a calorie deterrent, but <laughs> but but bad in case I want to um, dive in. Well, I just want to thank you, Val- Valerie, so much for joining me on Speaking Broadly. If people want to uh, follow you, there's multiple ways. So why don't you share with everyone sure. how to find you? Yeah, so I'm on um, Instagram and Twitter at Foodie in New York. That's all spelled out. So just F O O D I E. I-N-N-E-W-Y-O-R-K. And also my blog is foodieinnewyork.com. So you can also follow my adventures there. That's awesome. And you know where to find me, um, FW Scout, on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, today I want to thank my amazing engineer, David Tatashore. David! Great. And uh, Carlin Thompson, who helps me be me across every platform. And I have special guests today. Um, Actually, they're out eating pizza, so I don't know how special that is. But um, my daughter, Sylvie, my sister-in-law, Deborah, and my niece, Tilly, all came to eat pizza and stare in the glass window of (laughs) of a Heritage uh, Radio Network. So... Thank you guys for for coming and at least staring at me through the window. And all of you listeners, come on back next week and shoot me any questions, any people you'd like me to feature. I want to hear from you. Uh, You know where to find me. And come on back next week. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.